welcome to the Words Matter podcast, a podcast of First Baptist Church Seminole. All right, church, welcome to Words Matter podcast, our podcast of Seminole First Baptist Church Seminole, where we come together and we discuss what's going on in our church, and we truly believe that words matter. So I am the host, Josh Pollock. I'm here this week with Nick Ataya, greetings. It's good to be back on the podcast. And sitting across from Nick, as always, we've got Garrett Napier. I'm really excited. Yeah, Garrett is uh, Garrett loves podcasts. very excited to be here. Um, he, Can we admit that he was mad at us last week? He, didn't do it last week? he was pretty mad um, with all the snow and ongoings mad? and everything else yeah. that was going on. He got a little jittery. He was uh, not happy that we chose not to record a podcast last week. I was not happy that you sent me a text implying that it was my decision to not do the podcast. I did do that. I will own up to that. That was, um, I think he almost believed it too at first. I think he had to convince himself that it really wasn't him. It really would have been funny for you and I, Josh, just to shoot like a a brief (laughs) podcast without him and then upload it for him to find out on his own. I got to think of those things beforehand. Well, we are, we are glad to be here with you this week for our, our podcast. And so I'm going to start off with our first question, like we'll start off every time. So what happened last week? Last week, so not like yesterday is in January. What are we? We're in February. February, February. We are in February. But February 14th, what happened? Well, what happened was uh, I had a kind of an emergency dental procedure done on a wisdom tooth and was not, let's just say, up to par for speaking. I mean, I'm a really short preacher anyway, you know. Uh, I don't, you know. <laughs> but uh, didn't need to be talking that much with a incision in my mouth, so, yeah. Yeah, I had uh, called Nick for something about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and um, he let me know that he was at the dentist office waiting for an emergency root canal. So I hung up the phone with Nick and looked at my wife, and I said, I'm going to go work on a sermon at the church just in case. Um, I was told early on in my, my career in ministry, you always need to have one in the chamber ready to go. And I had used that one and, and not reloaded since then. And um, so I went to the church, started working on a sermon. And about 2, 33 o'clock, I started texting Garrett back and forth to kind of figure out a plan to get some stuff in motion for Sunday. And uh, I asked him if he wanted to preach instead of me. And your response was, uh, do you want to lead the music? And, and I'd <laughs> Poli- politely declined, as I've said many occasions, that it's a joyful noise only the Lord wants to hear. People, in the church, we seem to, we can always use that lead worship as a weapon for people, right? Yeah. Well, if you'll come up and lead worship with me, people go, oh, no, never mind. I, yeah. I don't want to bother you. <laughs> I, and I, that was the, the exact approach that I took to answering that question. And then uh, about an hour later after that, Nick texted and said, hey, I am uh, not going to be able to preach on Sunday. And sure enough, Sunday morning, you couldn't even really open your mouth all the way without biting your cheek. Yeah. Yeah. So in reality, you know, it's one of those things where I told Libby, I said, I, I, re- I could, I mean, I could probably make it through it. I'd be really sore. Um, and I was, I mean, there was some medication involved, you know, so that made Libby a little bit nervous. Uh, but after, after you, Josh, had uh, kind of gone to task to preparing a sermon, uh, I, f- I feel like that needs to be celebrated and, and honored in the church when when men are faithful to take up the task of preparing a message uh, when things don't go as planned. And I, I, I really appreciate it. And I love sitting, sitting under your teaching, so I, I enjoyed that. 
Thank you. Well, I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, we were in uh, Luke 19, a very familiar story for a lot of our, our church folks, um, Zacchaeus. Um, we were um, very much down that Sunday. We had snow and ice and debated on whether we needed to meet, but the storm held off long enough for us to be able to come together as a church, and it was a, a great morning. Yeah. Um, not patting myself on the back, but just the fellowship and everything else that took place was a, a really good time for us. And, yeah, there was more people that got out and and uh, and arrived than I, th- I kind of expected. It was nice. Yeah, it was yeah. it was really nice. And then we had uh, uh, the broadcast win as well, so we could have that online for those who couldn't come. Um, and then we really just kind of camped out in Zacchaeus for a little bit and talked about that story and the implications of really getting into the text there. Um, I really enjoyed putting this together. Um, like I said, it's it's typically what we associate with a children's Bible story. We don't really associate it much outside of that. You know, we have this, the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Susan Kemp asked me why I didn't uh, sing that song on Sunday morning and for multiple reasons, but two, I honestly don't know if I could have remembered all the words to that song. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. That's as far as I can get. passed this way. He looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down. Come down. For I'm going to your house today. I don't know if I could have remembered all of that. Somebody in the congregation would have bailed you out. Uh, Yes. A.K.A. Susan Kemp. Uh, Susan, Susan uh, Paula, my dad, several people, Matt, uh, were singing along with that. (laughs) You you start that prompt and they can't help but finish it. Um, and just the, you know, the implications of, of Jesus. Um, I loved how it started out in verse one, where it says that he entered Jericho and was passing through. And then when you really get down into it in a lot of my seminary classes right now, we're looking at atlases and world maps and, um, you don't just pass through Jericho, um, on the way that Jesus was going to Jerusalem. That's, that's an out of the way trip, but it's funny how Jesus does that a lot. Uh, and you got to imagine if you're if you're one of the disciples with Jesus, and he says we're going here, but we're going to go this way. So many so many times he did that. Um, I know you know with anytime I travel anywhere these days, you, you pull it up on your phone and you it'll give you the fastest route possible. You can, there's two or three routes, but there's the fastest route possible. You always select the fastest route, even if there's a dollar sign on it. You're like it's still faster. Let's let's, let's go that way. So the disciples had to be like, why do we always do this? Why do we always go? This way. Why can't we take the turnpike? <laughs> so I wonder if he, if he ever told them and was like, yeah. or they just like followed, you know, or if he was like, hey, we're going to go through Jerusalem. We're going to go through Jericho to get to Jerusalem. They're like, do what? Like, I don't tell my kids when we're going. Like, I just, you get that. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Question every couple of minutes. Yeah, How I'm much gonna, longer? I'm going to guess that Peter probably asked. Yeah. That, yeah, or that's... he probably suggested, hey, you may not know your geography very well. Yeah. Just jumped out front. The, yeah. the guy who made the earth, you may not know your geography very well, but. This yeah. is not the easiest way to get there. Or Matthew leaned over to Peter and was like, I can't handle this. I can't take the stress of not going there. <laughs> and as, as we, we come to find out, Jesus knew where, what he was doing. He had an appointment to keep with Zacchaeus. So one of your point, or maybe, I don't know, if not necessarily the main point, but one of your points was um, that that Jesus is the one in here who's seeking. Um, I, I'm reading, a, read a book recently, and one of the lines, probably the, the line that suck, stuck out the most to me, um, in that book was when they, uh, uh, the, the author said that uh, in our corporate worship, um, there is only one seeker, and that is God seeking those who he will save and those who will worship him. Um, and I had just read that book, and when you were talking about Jesus being the seeker uh, of Zacchaeus, um, that was the thing that really stuck out to me, that uh, Zacchaeus was interested, but really it was because God had already started pursuing him. He'd already began drawing Zacchaeus to himself. 
yeah, Zacchaeus climbed the tree. He thought he was seeking the Lord that day, but it turns out Jesus was was seeking him um, to go spend time with him. And I love how Jesus wraps this. He didn't really. He's not telling the story, but he's living it out, and he wraps it up in in verse nine. It says, "Today salvation has come to the house." Jesus told him, uh, "Because too, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost." And what a great exclamation to put on the end of that that story there with Zacchaeus and, and everything that he's done. And um, going back to the sermon this past Sunday uh, in First Timothy, um, what a great exclamation to put on the end of First Timothy. You know, twelve through seventeen essentially is the verses that we were in with the focus on verse seventeen and. The way verse 17 ends is just this great exclamation to who God is, that all this glory needs to go to God. Nick, you want to speak to that just a little bit? Yeah, I, you know, um, the Apostle Paul is known in all of his letters for having these moments of where he digresses into something. And I think the tendency is to is to ask yourself that can Paul not, you know, does he not have a one track? Can he not finish a thought before he starts another? And that may be true. You know, a lot of us are like that. Garrett's kind of like that. You know, finish one thought and starts another. Um, but in this particular case, as Paul kind of takes a digression into his testimony, he's he's just overrun as he's talking about the grace of God that's poured out on his life. A self-declared worst of all sinners, he can't help but take a moment, just even just if it seems like a moment, and do something supreme, and that is... Praise God, and and we call you know we obviously we refer to verse seventeen as one of Paul's doxologies. So it, I I knew in preparing the message through verses twelve to seventeen of First Timothy one, I thought I could do it in one sermon, and then as I broke it down, I thought no, verse seventeen needs to it needs to sit on its own, stand on its own. So yeah, it's this you have you know verse sixteen where he 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 talks about himself and how low he sees himself. And then he goes on to say, but in spite of all that, of who I was, all glory to God the Father. Um, and he goes on to describe um, the king here as eternal, immortal, and invisible. And you did a great job hitting those points yesterday, talking about what each of those mean and, and how we um, can unpack those a little more. Well, one of the things, you know, and this is why I appreciate the podcast, is because I didn't, there was one more point that I really if given time, I would have liked to have addressed, and that is the contrast in verse 16 and 17. Kings are not known for being patient with people, you know? I mean, in, in throughout history, kings just don't have patience with people. When you don't do what the king says, immediately the king leverages judgment on you, you know? Going before the king was scary because you knew that kings didn't have patience for anything. They expect that you're going to, fulfill every command that comes forth from every decree they have and you're going to do it immediately you're not going to challenge them they don't want to be patient with you and you're right so the contrast in verse 16 where the apostle paul says he was so extraordinarily patient with me in in my because of who i was and then he immediately goes into this doxology of and he's the king he's the king of all ages and he showed patience with me so that's that's not what we're used to seeing uh, on earth. Absolutely. And now, Garrett, you preached on Christ the King mm-hmm. in December as part of our series that we did there. And and the difference, you talked a lot about earthly kings versus God who is the king eternal and, and his reign will never end. Yeah. Where do you want me to go with that? 
I, I just I, I drew a parallel to your sermon to Nick's sermon for sure. Yeah, um, the, the requirement of a king. Um, we we I spoke about his dominion, his uh, authority. Um, that there is a demand. Um, it is a scary thing. The king, kings are um, scary. May not be the right word, but it, it's a it's an awe inspiring thing. Uh, a king is because. Uh, the king has the authority, has the dominion, and is there, there's a requirement as a subject to the king um, for proper response. And if you and if there's not a proper response, um, it could go bad for you. Yeah, and and also those those kings that that dominion that rule at some point will come to an end. Yes. Um, and I, I think Paul is is reiterating that fact as you have never seen a king like mine as he makes this explanation that you have this king who is eternal, who is immortal, whose, whose reign will never end. Every king they had dealt with up to this point has a beginning and an end. Even, even the great kings like David at some point that they would have referred to have this beginning of their, their, their kingship and an end of it. He says God's reign will not end, and it's a great ending to this section of, of verses right here. It's kind of like Paul was so excited. Like you said, he, he can't finish that thought. I always pictured it as this, this bursting forth like he couldn't hold it in. He's like, God's had this extreme patience with me, and glory be to God, that um, soli deo gloria, as you talked about in the sermon yesterday, this exclamation that all this glory goes back to God because of all this. And how many times has there been a king that we couldn't wait for their end? You know, I mean, when you think about all the kings in the Old Testament, you know, with Israel and, and Judah and and all the kings and leaders that we've seen over the last several uh thousand years there, so many of them we we, we kind of can't wait for their i'm not saying we want people to die i'm saying we can't wait for their kingship to end because we're ready for some something new somebody fresh and the fact that our god is the king eternal the king of ages who does not end and we can sing joyfully about that and live joyfully in that, uh, that that's something that's a distinctive in a distinction in the Christian faith, David David's kingship was considered a good kingship. I mean, he's he's spoken of favorably. I mean, he was he wasn't he wasn't perfect, but um, he's seen by the Israelites as a good king, um, one who um, who's favored. And and yet God says, from from David's root will come. Um, a better king, a a righteous, and that's a righteous branch from David. Um, so David was good, but but Christ is better. Um, God's kingship is not only eternal, but it is it is a holy kingship. Um, it's better than anything that we can find here on earth. So you you mentioned a while ago, Nick, about singing joyfully in that. And so yesterday we were able to sing the doxology to end our our worship service. We went from in Christ alone to the doxology. Um, and so I have a question because you refer this, referred to this as a doxology. And the most doxologies that I'm familiar with are the type that we typically sing like Garrett led yesterday, and they go to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. And those are directed towards the Father. And so in this doxology, he doesn't refer in verse 17 to, to God the Father. He says, now to the King eternal. Why would Paul here refer to him as, as the king and not as, as God the Father in this instance? Yeah, and you know Paul doesn't give any uh, prescription following the text as to why he does that, or uh, he doesn't exposit it for us why he, he chose that in this particular doxology. 
other than just the face value of Paul wanted to draw out, as he thinks about God the Father, he wants this distinction of him being the king to be this moment of praise for him or for for us, you know, for, for the and for the church. I mean, remember, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. So there, for whatever reason, he wants this distinction to be drawn out that he's the king of ages. Um, I guess I like to think that as the Apostle Paul is drawing out gospel distinctions for the church, that once the faith given once for all, the gospel in its purity, the gospel in its supremacy, that it doesn't change. And here you have an issue in the church of people in the church changing the gospel. And the Apostle Paul, is, his rhetoric is, don't change the gospel, uh, and you're doing that. So it's interesting that his doxology is about the king of ages. He doesn't change. He, he's eternal. He's immortal. He's invisible. You know, he's the one true God. The gospel is the one true gospel, and we worship the one true God. So, you know, I like to think that he's just kind of, his, his brain is, is just following that pattern in that moment. Let's draw the distinction out here, but that, that when we worship God, he's the one true God, the king of all ages. This is the one true gospel. Stop messing with it, you know. Yeah, I, I like that distinction that he he drew right there. I I tend to typically equate it to to not jump ahead to next week's sermon, but when you get into First um, Timothy one eighteen, he talks about fighting the good fight, and he has this imagery of of battle almost. Um, and so he's using this this imagery of of kings and battles, um, and he's going. He is there. They are up against the fight of those who are changing the gospel, and he he speaks to those in the next couple of chapters, and it's just this imagery of of a king and we are his army that are going out to. To fight, but I like that distinction of, of a king whose whose reign will not end, and he draws that distinction there between the kings. Yeah, yeah, and it's encouraging. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, verse seventeen, <clears throat> at the end of Paul's testimony, is just simply encouraging. I mean, I every time I read it and I was prepared the message, and even even as I was preaching it, I was just deeply encouraged um, to be like all the other saints and just pause and and worship God. I love that the use of the word encouraging. Um, something else that happened yesterday that was very encouraging was at the end of the sermon, you kind of laid out our vision for April and, and kind of some things that are going on for our church to kind of switch gears a little bit here. Is um, You actually sent some articles to, to Garrett and I um, as we kind of start planning what does our, our church need to happen, to have happen in April for us to kind of start coming back together and, and being unified. And I don't know if you want to speak to that or speak to these articles first or... Yeah, I, I think maybe to start with, we could just kind of address the realities of um, where we are heading into March of 2021 with where we were starting in March of 2020. And Garrett, you're 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 now a hospice chaplain. In yep. March of last year, you were not a hospice chaplain, but mm-hmm. now you are. And uh, so you've been since August part of this pandemic in a really kind of hands and feet way. How is it? How has the pandemic itself impacted what you've seen with people in terms of isolation? Well, just just from uh, my ability to do my job, it's been impacted since August. So when I first started, we could make full visits. Um, I visited patients um, regularly, um, and we w- we had to wear a mask. Um, but other than that, it was it was it was just kind of open. Um, and then, and I don't remember when that switch happened, but it was probably in the October, November time frame, I think, that um, it went from mask to full PPE. 
visits. And uh, then towards the end of the year, it went to limited, completely limited. Um, I could make phone calls. I could write letters, but um, couldn't as a support staff unless, uh, qualify that, if the, if the family needed immediate care or if the family uh, or patient requested um, so you have, uh, just in my patients, I have, I have patients who are saying, hey, we, we miss the visits. Um, the chaplain coming is, a, is an outlet that a lot of these patients don't have in that they're, they're stuck at home. Um, they're, they're dying, um, and so they just are not physically able to, to go out. And plus, they're, they're in a, a compromised mm-hmm. health state, so they have to avoid contact. So um, many of them have felt it's difficult. It's difficult to connect with people. Um, just by a text or a phone call or um, a letter, those are good things, um, but it's not the same as sitting down. So a conversation on the phone may last five to ten minutes. A good conversation lasts 30. Um, that's a really good conversation. Um, an in-person conversation would would be a 45-minute to an hour visit uh, all the time. And it's just difficult to do that when you're not face-to-face, when you can't see each other and and. Yeah. So for them, it's been difficult. For me, it's been difficult. It's hard to minister to somebody when you can't visit. And I think that's, you know, the last year has been such a challenge on so many fronts when it comes to uh, fellowship, community, you know. And one of the words that uh, one of the articles that I sent you guys draws out is, is solidarity. That it makes it difficult to stand in solidarity, shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart with people, when you're not with people. And uh, we're seeing, for the first time since last March, uh, some light at the end of the tunnel. I referenced that Johns Hopkins um, released uh, some data, and now you can find lots of different sources online with the data that you know infection rates are down 77% um, since January, I think 18th or 19th, something like that. And I'm sure there's a lot of reasons for that, but just hearing those numbers kind of builds within people a sense of, okay, we're coming out of this. What is normal going to look like? And so I think it's important for us as a church, a, a body of people that's built around community and built around fellowship and built around solidarity in the gospel, standing shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart in these things, face to face, to put some targets out there um, of some things that we haven't been able to do but we got to put some targets out there, like with small groups. We got to put targets out there with Bible studies and uh, more fellowship opportunities and things like this. And so we just kind of, as a staff and visiting with other people in the church, begin to throw some targets out there. And uh, the Lord, in my humble opinion, has kind of given us Easter as a good little target for us to, to look at. And um, so we're shooting for that. We're shooting for small groups starting after. The Sunday after Easter, I hope that'll be helpful. I hope people will engage in that. Uh, and we've been having two services, but we are, at least for the time being, in desperate need of one service so that people can see each other. You know, And so we're going to end the, the early service. The last early service will be March 7th. But I was really just overwhelmed with this concept or this idea of, okay, now what? If we're going to move out of what we've been doing for the last year, which is for a lot of people, a lot of isolation. Um, And it's kind of become the American way anyway. Uh, 
we like our independence and we like our isolation and we like our me time and don't bother us and don't knock on our door. And is this going to get better or worse? That's kind of, that's kind of the question I have for you guys. I mean, what do you think? Is this going to get better or worse in our culture? I hope that it would get better, that even those people that kind of prefer that isolation, I think, still found themselves kind of lonely at the end of the day through through this this pandemic we've been living through and, and to crave that community. I know as a youth pastor, I've said multiple times, I was not created to do ministry at a distance. I remember having the Zoom meetings with students and seeing their faces on the screen and still being so disconnected from them and just craving that community and, and wanting to be around my students and how hard that was. I I, I was was just torn apart during that period, and so I was grateful when we were able to start meeting in smaller and smaller groups to be able to get back to some, I don't want to say normalcy, but but really just being able to be around that community. And, and I know that over the last month, few months that we've been able to gather and starting to come back and seeing that in our youth small groups that have been meeting, and then our Wednesday night, um, the link as we've been continuing meeting is the fellowship is so much sweeter, is the students genuinely missed not just being around each other because they're around each other every day at school but having that community of being just together around reading God's word and worship and how much sweeter it's become because of that and I hope that that parallels to what we do on a Sunday morning here that as we start to gather in one service and 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 we don't have this split service not that it's been a bad thing it's been a great thing to have but that sense of community that we've been lacking as a church as whole and this fellowship, I'm hoping, will just be that much sweeter now that we've we've taken for granted what we had, and now that it's gone, we absolutely miss it. And now that it's coming back, it's going to be just that much sweeter for us as a church. Yeah, when I had when I had the coronavirus for I don't know what what were we out ten fourteen days whatever it was I don't remember. It was it was nice for the first couple of days because I actually didn't feel that bad the first couple of days, and then I started feeling bad. But um, it's nice to just stop and go man I can do whatever I want to do in my house on my couch but you know I can read my books I can you know no interruptions I can watch catch up on shows I wanted to catch up on but um after a after a period of time you you start thinking man I miss interaction with people and um what happened because it was two weeks ago um, there was leftover food from from uh, an event uh, a funeral that had happened here and and so a spontaneous and we'll go old school dinner on the grounds happened and so leftover food was heated up um and just several people stayed just whoever was here they kind of said hey if you want to stay there's food and uh, i wasn't able to stay for that because i had frozen water pipes and uh and i missed it and and so it's i was in, i was excited by the by the fact that um, we're we're bringing that back, I think you said once a month is what we're looking at doing. So yeah. I, those things are good. Um, you, people's ability to portray themselves better than they're doing um, online or through text or on the phone or um, it's easy. It's easy to hide, but behind distant communication. But when we're in the same room with each other. Um, you, it's hard to hide when you're going through a difficult time or it's hard to avoid somebody asking you the question that you don't want to get asked, you know, whatever it is, how are you doing spiritually or how are you, um, it makes it more difficult to, to, to get away from those. And so we need to, um, the Bible tells us that we need to spur each other on. Well, that's going to require interaction. 
It's going to require us being in fellowship with each other to spur each other on. But the very first scripture that I ever memorized after I became a Christian was Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Um, but there's a, there, there's a part of that that says, um, uh, and not forsake the gathering as some are in the, and the word that's used there in the Greek, it's, it's um, condition, but habit. And that's the word that kind of, if there's a word I have that I'm fearful of, I know we're not supposed to be afraid of anything, but fearful of in our culture right now, it's conditioning. And just pastorally speaking, I do have deep concerns that because of the pandemic and issues in our culture and Americanism, that we are running the risk of conditioning ourselves in the American or the Western church of not seeing the need or seeing the discipline in Scripture of fellowship and gathering. And um, so, you know, Hebrews 10.25 says, don't forsake the gathering. Some people do that, but I'm commanding you not to. Uh, Proverbs 18.1 has oh, kind of a harsh dog. word. Go ahead. <laughs> Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates right. himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. And, and I had know, that. I was yeah. I was lined up to were, follow you. He does have his yeah. Bible open ready to <laughs> share that yeah. verse. And then there's 1 Corinthians 12 that reminds us that the, the body is the body. not one part but many parts. We need yep. even when we don't think we need each other, we need each other. Absolutely. You know, so when somebody's not part of the body and we have joined with them but they're not there, you know, we miss them. And uh, I just think that I'm concerned about what social media does what the news does, what politics does, what American in, Americanism does, what tribalism does to kind of isolate us and condition us or recondition us um, to feel like we don't need each other. And if that creeps into the church, that feeling of I'm conditioned to do fine without the gathering, that premise is a little bit alarming. So. And First Peter reminds us that the devil is he he roams like a like a lion he's pacing like a lion looking for who he can devour um and one of the things i wrote when i read this article was if if today which we see an overwhelming concern about this pushback against the christian life the christian beliefs um that are um that that christians are being pushed aside and even i don't want, want to use the word persecuted but that's the fear that we see, um, that people are fearful of Christian persecution, that if that is the case, and if the devil is looking for individual, because the devil doesn't, lions don't go after a herd, they go, they, they pinpoint the weak one, they pinpoint the one who is separated from the group that can be more easily attacked. If those concerns are concerns that we have, then doesn't it make, shouldn't it make us more um, intrigued or more likely to want to Join the fellowship uh, for protection, for encouragement, for um, for strength. Yeah. Um, strength comes in numbers, oftentimes. And if we are, um, if society is changing, and if it's going to take, if Christians are going to have to take different stands, um, maybe more um, open stands, harder stands um, on our faith, and say this is where we this is where we stand, um, this is what we believe. Um, it's going to be a lot yeah. easier to do that. Uh, among like-minded people. Yep. Yeah. And I think maybe to put a bow on this, uh, if that's the right <laughs> phrase to use, but uh, it, it, it doesn't come from a place of condemnation. 
You know, I mean, we, we've lived for a year with a pandemic that is a real pandemic, and people have had um, serious concerns. Garrett, it's impacted your family yep. in, a, in, in the most significant of ways. And so it's, it's, there's no deniers at the table. There's no, you know, uh, but at the same time, as we begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel, as we begin to come out of this thing and infection rates go down and people get vaccinated, the pastoral concern is that we will remember that we miss each other and we need each other. I mean, there are people that I miss seeing. I just deeply miss seeing them. And uh, I hope that that's the consensus with the whole fellowship. And I, so I hope, I, I, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm asking of the Lord to have favor on us as we begin to take steps towards fellowship and gathering things that are corporate, that uh, we really just embrace that and, and are excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm reminded of uh, screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis mm-hmm. and, and what little they have to do to persuade Christians to stop gathering and what that looks for them. And I, I'm so thinking about that as as we get ready to start gathering again and people start coming together is 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 what have they been doing to keep us apart? What does that look like for us? And a modern day would, would talk about that that laziness and um, being able to just say that I'm okay or check in on social media and call it good for the day um, and allow the the demons, as it were, in this story to just kind of rest easily knowing that they have they have done their part by creating this culture in us. Um, but I, I'm very excited by what we've got coming up in April with the, the starting of small groups and, and starting to gather. I know Celebrate Recovery has got some things in the works as well to start bringing back and mm. to start seeing faces and people again and start gathering and, and do so safely, um, being able to, to provide a safe place for the church to still come who may still have some of those those right fears about mm. some of that stuff and still providing an, an opportunity for them to gather and worship and being able to to see the faces of our people that we have missed so dearly. So I am, I am too very excited for that here in the future. All right. And so as we uh, started off the podcast with what happened last week, we're going to end with our question. So what's coming up in the next few weeks? I don't know if you guys want to give a preview to what's coming as far as the preaching and worship side of that coming up in the next well, few weeks. Uh, as w- relating to the sermons, I'm really excited about this coming week as the Apostle Paul re-engages um, Timothy with the or with the charge that he's given him uh, to fight, basically fight the good fight. Like he's fought a good fight, Timothy fight a good fight. You got challenges at this church, but you've been called to this church, and you can embrace those challenges. You can set the, you know, you can, uh, you can get the rudder in the right direction on the ship with the help of the Holy Spirit and the purity of the gospel. And so get after it. <laughs> so that's coming up this week. I'm excited for that. Garrett, what do we got for worship coming up? Uh, so the, the anthem hymn of the month for March is uh, Stricken, Smitten, and Afflicted. Um, so we chose that um, very purposefully um, to prepare us uh, for Easter that's coming up. So for the month of, month of March, we'll be looking at, um, at Christ's sacrifice, um, the, the leading up to um, when we get to, we get to sing a totally different song on Easter. Um, that that proclaims his resurrection, his his uh, his defeat of death. And you know that the that hymn, stricken, smitten, and afflicted. The first time you hear it, I mean, the first time I heard it, I thought, "Oh my goodness, this is sorrowful. This is heavy. I, I can't sing this like in corporate worship." But then the more that I listened to the song, the more I was able to embrace the realities of what Christ did for me. And I think that we can't be afraid of songs that have a very deep 
sorrow-filled tone to them because, I mean, the gospel is in that song. So, Looking forward to that as well, getting ready for Easter. That'll be a great lead-in to Easter. I'm excited after spending last year's Easter with about 12 people in an empty sanctuary <laughs> yeah. uh, for our online. I'm looking forward to gathering um, with the church for that. Well, that'll do it for us this podcast on Words Matter. We want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we'd love to see you here at First Baptist Church Seminole on a Sunday morning. If you don't have a place that you call home, we would absolutely love for you to visit with us. You can get some more information from our website at seminolefbc.org. And I'm going to leave you with Paul's words, Paul's doxology. Now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This has been the Words Matter Podcast, a podcast of FBC Seminole. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.